0: So we're in Acts chapter 1. Wow, man, what a text. We get to study 15 through 26 today. And I've entitled this message, Taking Care of Business. Taking care uh, of business. There are times uh, in our lives, in our church, in our country, uh, our families, that that, that things just have to, to be done. Decisions have to be made. And when you're in that crucible of that moment... You really can't back up, you can't stutter, and you just have to move forward, move ahead. Arguably, my favorite president is Theodore Roosevelt. He lived quite an illustrious uh, life, had an amazing uh, political career. He was elected governor of New York in November of 1898. He was elected the 26th president of the United States in 1901, and he won the Nobel Peace Prize in 1906 I wish it was mandatory reading for everybody before they get out of high school to read Edmund Morris's trilogy on the life of Theodore Roosevelt he said yes all of those were amazing events in my life but the greatest day of my life he said was July the first 1898 because on July the first 1898 he was duly engaged in what they called historians call, the Spanish-American War there in Cuba he led a group called the Rough Riders. There was a bunch of guys a lot like him. I mean, just kind of rough around the edges, just not afraid of anything extremely patriotic and heard there was a war. So he gathered together his group and they went over to fight with the U.S. military. And it is quite a story as you read about the Spanish-American War. And, and Theodore Roosevelt is on his horse. Little Texas was the horse's name. And bullets are flying around, and he's standing up there, and he's encouraging his men, and he's leading them into battle. And so he got so excited as they were making their way up to Kettle Hill, literally got so excited to get into the battle that he ran into the battle without telling his troops to follow him. And literally, he only had five guys with him, and he's going, and he realized what had happened, and he went back and said, guys, sorry, but you're supposed to follow me. And so they all went together. He shot In the harm, of all places in the elbow, I can't imagine how painful that is, his men are dropping right and left, and yet he makes his way up to Kettle Hill and he looks down and he sees General Kent's first infantry and they are having a hard time. And so he mobilizes his guys and they make their way down into the valley and they they save the day. And Theodore Roosevelt is a national hero. And not many months after that, he becomes the governor of the great state of New York and then on to become the president of the United States and I think about Roosevelt in those moments when a decision had to be made courage had to be exhibited and you have to move forward when everything within you is saying well let's just back up let's slow down let's let's be fearful and yet there's a time to take care of business so let's go to the text if we will I want to read to you Acts chapter 1 I'm going to read verses 15 through 26 and what you'll see here is there is a group, there's a band of believers, they're going to come together and they're going to make some hard decisions. They're going to deal with some opposition, some difficulty they had to deal with. And yet Peter stands up and he becomes this courageous leader. And I'm so glad Luke preserves this for us in the Bible because there's just so much for us to glean from this. And some of you here today, you're facing some tough decisions or Maybe there's something in your life or your job or your marriage or your family or your company or maybe even in your church. And, and you feel like, you know, God has raised me up for such a time as this. There is no place for cowardice or trepidation or, or fear or worry or anxiety. There, there, it's time to take care of business. And God is so ordained this time in you. And I know you won't fail. I know you're going to rise up and do like what the Apostle Peter did. So let's read it. It's in verse 15. We'll begin. And in those days, Peter stood up. It's really no surprise to us. He is a leader. Peter stands up in the midst of the disciples. Altogether, the number of the names was about 120. And he said, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Yes, Judas Iscariot who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered with, with us, and he obtained a part in this diaconia, this ministry. But now this man purchased a field with the wages of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all the entrails gushed out. And that is describing the gruesome death of Judas Iscariot. More about that in a moment. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so that field is called in their own language, akel Dema, which is the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And, now watch this, let another take his 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 office of leadership. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us, "...all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he, Jesus, was taken up from us, one of these must..." And I want you to underline that word in your Bibles. It is the Greek word die, D-E-I. You see this word frequently in the Bible. It's a word of urgency, intensity. It's It's a word of moral constraint and obligation. And Peter says it is of necessity that this person that we choose become a witness with us of the resurrection of Jesus. And they proposed two men. Joseph, he has three names, by the way, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and the other alternative, the other person that we have to decide is between Joseph and Matthias. And they prayed. I want you to notice this. It wasn't the last resort, but it was the first resort. When there was a decision to be made, they had a call to action. They prayed, and they said, You, O Lord, Curios, referring to Christ, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two that you have chosen to take part in this uh, ministry, this diakoneos, an apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots. And the lot fell on Matthias, whose name, by the way, literally means gift of God. Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So there was a crisis in the early church. Judas Iscariot had betrayed the Lord. And it was imperative that they move that number from 11 to 12. You say, yes, pastor, I get that from reading the Bible. That was very significant because there's a sense of urgency. They had 11, but why was it so important that the church moved that apostleship, those, those, that, that number of disciples, up to the number of 12? And here's two or three reasons why that was so important. First of all, one writer says, the 12-fold witness was required if Jewish Christianity was to represent itself to the Jewish nation. You say, that's right, because there were how many tribes of Israel? Twelve tribes of Israel. Another reason, Jesus himself said in Luke twenty-two thirty, quote, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And in the book of Revelation, the apocalypse, John sees the new Jerusalem, listen to this now, having 12 foundation stones with the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So this number 12, they needed to get back to 12, but who do we choose? It's almost like a crisis in the early church. A decision had to be made, and the Apostle Peter, who knows the Old Testament well, and he's reading it, and he's saying, church, we have a decision to make whether we're going to choose this man, Justice Joseph, or we're going to choose this man, Matthias. And what I love about this text, it gives us so much insight into the way the early church worked then, And there's so many principles that apply to us today. If we'll take the time and extrapolate those principles from the Word of God and say, Holy Spirit, speak to us. May we live our lives with such passion and determination. And Lord, may our church reflect the ministry and the the intensity of of the early church. You say, but Peter, oh my. Why is it Peter that is chosen? Well, the whole first 12 chapters in the book of Acts, Peter's really on display, him and John. And then the last 12 chapters has to do with Paul. You say, what, what happened to Peter? Last time we read Peter, he was, he was denying that he even knew Jesus. Yeah, but keep reading. Remember what happened? That Jesus appeared to him at the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And three times Jesus asked Peter that question because it was three times that Peter had so vehemently denied that he even knew Jesus. And with each question, there was just this momentum building into the life of the apostle Peter. And Jesus is basically saying, Peter, I know you denied me. And I know that you rejected me, but I still believe in you and I love you, Peter. And I want to make you a pillar, a rock for my church. Listen, that speaks to us profoundly because we too deny the Lord. We too say things that we should not say. We too disappoint our Savior, but aren't you glad to know today that He's the God of the second, third, a hundredth chance? That God will say, I'll restore you. All you got to do is ask me and I will forgive you. And and no, I will have mercy on you and I have a place for you. Because some of you think, well, I blew it. You know, my marriage didn't make it or You know, I didn't do the best job I should have done in raising my kids or last church I was at, man, I really didn't do. Listen, this is a day to say, God, I am sorry. Please forgive me. And it's a day to say, thank you, God, for forgiveness. Now, let's move forward. And I'm so glad Peter did that. He moves forward and he stands up and he speaks. So there's three things I want you to look at with me in this text, love this text. First is there is a person to replace there is a message that needs to be proclaimed. And then, then finally, there is a decision that needs to be made. Now, I want you to stay with me in this text because we're going to get in pretty deep. We're going to look at the Old Testament, and we're going to look at word studies, and we're going to really try best we can to take these next few minutes and really get a grasp for this first chapter because it's going to catapult us into the other 27 chapters. Verse 15, Peter stands in the midst of the church. I like what F.F. Bruce says this about him. The risen Lord's appearance to Peter had recommissioned him and rehabilitated him and ensured for him a position of leadership. The Bible also says in verse 15 that there are 120 gathered in the upper room, spacious room that would accommodate that many people gathered together in a prayer meeting, waiting on the Holy Spirit to come in Acts 2, which we will look at in a couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to get to observe the Lord's Supper. I'm so excited about that. All the service is going to center around the Eucharist, observing the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Jesus, in obedience to His command to do this in His remembrance. But 1 Corinthians 15 says that the Lord appeared to as many as 500 disciples at one time. And that was probably in the north, in Galilee. And so God's got a whole bunch of disciples and believers up there in the north around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus performed about 80. Eighty percent of His miracles were performed up in the northern sector there of Palestine, of Israel, excuse me. And now we have here in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, they are gathered in the upper room, and there are. 120 of them. In verse 16, Peter says the Scripture must be fulfilled. That word of intensity and and urgency, and we must replace this person, Judas. But also in verse 16, I want you to notice something. It's one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible that affirms the authenticity and the veracity of the Word of God. I want you to look at this very carefully in verse 16. Men and brethren... This scripture that Peter's quoting had to be fulfilled. Scripture which, oh, love this, the Holy Spirit spoke. Do you realize what you hold in your hand, this Old Testament, this New Testament, this is not man-breathed. This is God-breathed. This is the Word of the living God that is a gift from heaven that he has given to you and to me for us to study, for us to preach, for us to know, for us to live by, to place ourselves up underneath the authority and the inspiration of Holy Scripture. And, And Peter says, this holy book, The Holy Spirit of God has inspired it, and here we are today. We must must live it out. One writer says there's no clearer description of inspiration found anywhere in the Bible than this verse right here. We see the powerful hand of a sovereign God working His will in a very desperate situation. Now, think with me. What, What caused this crisis? Judas Iscariot. How many of you are going to name your boy Judas Iscariot? I mean, nobody's going to name their son, their grandson. Nobody's going to name that name Judas Iscariot because that name is the most infamous name in all of history. That man, he was among the 12, but he really never became a part of the band of disciples that followed Jesus. And there's proof and there's evidence of that here, and I'm going to show you in just, in just a moment. In the book of Psalm, 1,000 years before the time of Christ, we see this, we we, we see it being fulfilled. It just mesmerizes me. It astonishes me. In verse 17, it says, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. And that is a reference, Peter's making direct correlation between Psalm 69 and Psalm 69.5, uh, five. he's making reference to this person uh, of, of Judas. It's fascinating to me. You ever wondered how Judas scary? And I, by the way, I still grapple with that because I know he was chosen and Jesus knew. He knew that he would betray him and yet he still chose him to follow him and to be with him. But here's what's so incredible that this never caught God by surprise. God predicted it a thousand years before it ever happened. I, I, I love the statement that, that God still works all things together for good. And we, we think about things like this, a Judas. We think about a, we think about a Daniel being thrown in a, in a lion's den. We, we think about a Joseph being placed uh, in a pit by his brothers. We, we think about a Judas Iscariot in the Bible betraying the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet All of these horrible things happen, and yet God knew that they were going to happen, and God was still sovereign. He was still all providential. He was still in control, even even though all of these horrible things are happening to the people of God and to the Son of God. Well, what does that say to you? What does that say to me? Hard times come, but they never catch God by surprise. God sees. He, he knows exactly what's happening in your life right now. You've been betrayed. You've been mistreated. You've been, you've been maybe not a, a, a literal pit, but a figurative pit. You've been disowned and discarded by your blood relatives, and yet God in His sovereignty — he's allowed this to happen so that he can create in you the man and the woman of God that he can use you in a powerful way. Wow, you say, God, is there any other way? Hello, Lord, please, is there any other way that I can get a message and bypass the mess? Is there a way, God, I can have this wonderful testimony without the test? And God says, no, no. My own son went through this path, so all the children of God passed through this way of hardship and difficulty and this chiseling of that granite so that that character is made, is conformed more into the... mm, 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 Here it comes, so that when God takes us through and God leads us out of Egypt and He takes us through the Red Sea and He takes us over to the Promised Land, and we have to say, look what God has done. That's just the way God works. Sometimes, well, it's really not up for debate. That's His call. Verse 17, back to Judas, the person who must be replaced. Well, we know what he did, but I want you to think with me for a moment what he did not do. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then he felt so bad about it, he gave the money back to the religious authorities. He went out. When you compare Matthew 27 and Acts chapter 1, you get a description of what happened to Judas. He went out, he placed a, a noose around his neck, hung it over a tree, probably under, rocks underneath the tree. And over time, that, that rope breaks and he falls upon those rocks and his entrails, his intestines are, are burst and fall out. I mean, it's a gruesome, horrible death. But here's something I want you to consider that Judas did not do. Judas did not take advantage of the grandest opportunity in the world. He had a close proximity to Jesus Christ. He saw him. He watched him. He, he, he knew exactly who he was. And watch this. He did not allow that knowledge to go from 18 inches in his head down to his heart. Let, let, me, let me share something with you in the Gospel of John. I think this will help some of you as you wrestle through the life of Judas. I'm going to look at John chapter 12 with you for a moment. In John chapter 6, you, you want to jot these down. Look, watch this. Why was this fragrant oil, this is Judas speaking, Mary has poured out this oil on Jesus' feet. And he says, why why was this oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor, as if he really cared for the poor? This he said, not that Judas cared for the poor, but he was a thief. (laughs) The Bible just says straight up, he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take whatever he wanted in it he used to take what he put in it and then another verse says but there are some of you Jesus said who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him from the beginning Jesus answered them did I not choose you the 12 and yet one of you is a devil do you think devils go to heaven there's your answer some of you think, well, did Judas go to heaven? No, devils don't go to heaven, okay? And that Judas is not in heaven because he, he's an example for us of somebody who can be so close and yet so far away. This he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him being one of the 12. One writer says, Judas represents the greatest example of wasted opportunity in all of history. And I agree. And then verses 18 and 19, as we walk through, we, we look at his death. Augustine, the great theologian, said there's no contradiction because when you do a little CSI, now Augustine didn't use the word CSI, you know, when you criminal crime scene investigation. But when you put it together with the Word of God, you get a picture of what happened to Judas after his, after his betrayal. The last thing I want to say about uh, Judas and in this context in verse 20, there, there are two texts that are quoted in Peter's message to the early church that go back to the Old Testament. The first one is Psalm 69, 25. It says, let his dwelling place be desolate and let no one live in it. And then Psalm 109, verse eight is a reference here. Let another take his office. Wow. Last thing I wanna say about Judas is this. Learn from him, but do not follow him. Don't be one of those who become so knowledgeable and you have a great understanding, watch this, but you never genuinely repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ. Listen, our churches, our nation is legion with people like this. So many people who used to be in church, but they're no longer in church. They They have no desire to be in church because here's what happened. They never really surrendered and committed their life Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, when a person is born again by the Spirit of God, you do not have to beg them to come to church. You do not have to plead with them, oh, please, please, please come back, come back to church, you know, and please give your tithes and your offerings and please follow the Lord in baptism. No. When somebody is born again by the Spirit of God, it radically changes them. And they are walking with God. No, 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 they're not perfect. Yes, they will fall. Yes, they will make mistakes. But here's the deal. They will not continue to live in disobedience and sin before a holy God. John says it's impossible. You can't do that because the Spirit of God is living with... I'm telling you, that's how I know. That's how I know that I'm a child of God. I sin, I fall. Lord, please forgive me, and I want to get right back in your fellowship. Amen. I want to get right back walking with you, God, because I miss you and I love you. And the person says, well, I don't have no that desire of that. Well, did you accept the Lord as your Savior? Yes, I did. When's the last time you've been in church? About 38 years, okay. Do you tithe and give your money to the Lord and to his work? Oh, heavens, no, I don't do that. You probably really don't know the Lord. You probably never really met him. You had a pseudo, a false conversion. But here's the amazing thing about God. If you'll come and say, Lord, that's me, and I'm sorry. Please forgive me of my arrogance and my pride. God, redeem me. Holy Spirit of God, really, come into me, and God will do it and it will be manifested in the way you live your life. So that's a person that had to be replaced. Number two is a message that had to be uh, proclaimed. don't you look at this with me for just a moment. A message had to be proclaimed in verses 21 and 22. Why? Well, they needed to do so because Scripture says in verse 20, let another take his office. So Peter's reading the Old Testament like this. And he's saying this is applying to us. I know a thousand years ago, what wasn't written to us, but now it's written for us. And so we're going to apply it to say, we need to get a replacement for Judas. Number two, they needed to restore that full complement of 12 that we noticed a moment ago. But number three, man, my favorite part of the whole, the whole sermon, my favorite part of this whole pericope of scripture that. God has preserved for us in the book of Acts chapter 1. Please watch this in verse 22. Now here's the person we need to find. It must be somebody who was with us at the beginning of the baptism of John to the day when Jesus was taken up from us his ascension. We must find one person to restore them to the 12, and they must, D-E-I, there's that word again, strong word, They must become a witness, a witness with us of His resurrection. Now I think there's a historical element to this, and I think there's a strong prophetic element to this. So here's the message that has to be proclaimed. We need to find somebody that when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, there He is, the Messiah. He comes into the Jordan River and he's baptized. Whoever we get to replace Judas who fell, they need to have seen that. And they also need to have been there in the three and a half years of his ministry. And they also needed to be there that day on the Mount of Olives when Jesus Christ ascended back up to heaven. And here's the thing. We got to get this person, because this person has got to help us proclaim the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is imperative. Because that is the message, that is the heartbeat of Christianity, the substitutionary death, and the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. So who will come and join our band of witnesses? It's the same today. We have a message to proclaim. Our message is very simple, that God loves us. He sent His Son, Jesus, to die for our sins, and He did, and He arose from the dead. And if we believe in Him, listen now if you trust in him and him alone for salvation, then God will pardon you. He'll give you a divine pardon, and you will live a fulfilled, abundant life here on this earth, and when you die, you go into the very presence of God, all predicated on death, the burial, and the resurrection. So Monday night, I I drove up to Dallas after our staff meeting, I was supposed to speak at this Empower evangelism conference in Irving. And I told this guy who was speaking with me, Grant, I said, now Grant, it's probably not going to happen, but my daughter is great with child. And if she goes into labor, I am not going to preach. I'm not going to speak. I'm going to go right back to Austin because my family is more important to me than my ministry. And he said, wait a minute. He's 30 years old. He's a millennial. He's not married. He doesn't have children. And he says, you're going to drive. You're not, even if the, the last hour, you're not going to join me and speak the seminar, you're going back to Austin. I said, yes. He said, I love that. He said, I admire that. He said, that is an example to me in ministry. Sure enough, one hour before I was supposed to speak, Jeffrey called me. He said, you're the first person I've called. I said, that just makes me feel so good. But anyhow, he said, you He said, the reason you're the first is because you have to travel the furthest. Hannah's gone into labor, come. I kid you not, as much as I was prepared and as excited to preach for three hours, I came to the intersection. If you turn left, you go to the convention and speak. If you turn right, you go to Austin. And that's what I did. And I have absolutely no regrets whatsoever for doing that. So we drove home. But before we drove home on Monday night, I made it up there in time to hear one sermon only one sermon, and it was preached by a man by the name of Lee Strobel. And Lee, yes, Lee Strobel, the author of The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. And Lee Strobel got to talking about a message to proclaim. He got to talking about being a witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not in the New Testament day, but in our day. And what does that look like for us today? And so he, he shared one really funny story, and then he shared one really amazing, powerful story. And I'm redacting my sermon in my head right now, trying to determine if I have enough time to tell you both stories. So all in favor of hearing both stories, say, ah. Okay, good. All right, so I'll tell you both stories and make everybody mad in preschool, but it just happens, all right? Sorry, preschool. Okay, so the first one's really funny. I I just gotta tell you this. Lee Strobel said, um, you gotta know his story. I mean, he was uh, an atheist. He graduated from um, Yale. And then he became an editor with the Chicago Tribune, had a very powerful job. And he was, I mean, strong, strong in his atheism. And his wife becomes a follower of Jesus irate, made him so angry, so mad. He said, I'm going to show you that's all a farce. It's all a a myth. And so he got to researching the validity of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And he did what every person does who studies it with an open mind. They give their lives to Christ. It's it's a beautiful thing. And so he loves the Lord. He travels all over the world and he speaks on giving um, answers to people's questions. He said, I was walking into a cracker barrel in the south. Oh, my word, Cracker Barrel. Man, that cornbread and biscuits and honey and meatloaf, come on. And so he said, I'm walking. He said, it's a strange thing. When you walk into a Cracker Barrel, they've got the rocking chairs. Raise your hand if y'all know what I'm talking about. Rocking chairs and Cracker Barrel. And he goes, I was walking in with my buddy, and there was a young lady sitting on the rocking chair. I guess there was her boyfriend sitting beside her. And I walked right by her, and she goes, what is a deist? And she, he just assumed, well, you know, if she recognizes me, I, you know, I, and he said, I'm going to answer a question. He said, well, young lady, a, a deist is someone who believes in God, but they believe God is very transcendent, meaning that God's not very interested in the creation, that he created it, and he just spun it into order, and he's like, that's, that's all I've got. He said her eyes got like that big. She was like, what? And then he goes, well, let me tell you some more. In fact, let me talk to you about the cosmological argument for the existence of God. And so he and his buddies over there just kind of shaking, but that's the Lee Strobel. I mean, he's giving an answer, and he's just talking to her, and her eyes got bigger and bigger, and she was just looking at him like this. Finally, his friend said, Lee, she did not ask you what is a deus. She said, Buenos días." <laughs> 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 he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so, so sorry, ma'am. And, he walked on, But he said, now I'm going to tell you the most memorable witnessing encounter I ever had in my life. And man, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I was listening. Me and Stu, Stu Smithson and I were sitting there. He goes, it wasn't long after I'd been saved, I was still working at the Chicago Tribune, and I felt the Holy Spirit really, really impress me to tell my boss about Jesus and His resurrection. Easter's coming. And he said, I'm telling you, I knew that the Holy Spirit, he, he, would not let me, he would not let me rest. So he said, I went into my boss's office and I said, sir, uh, I, my wife and I, we want to invite you and your wife to be our guest at Easter. And he started laughing. He said, Lee, you know I don't believe in that stuff. I'm an atheist. You know that of all people. you know." He said, yeah, I, I know that. He said, but, but sir, there's evidence. There's evidence for the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lee started giving him these, these proofs and, and evidences. And his boss stopped and he said, Lee, no. He said, no, I'm not coming to your church. I'm not interested. And so Lee Strobel said, I'm going to try one more, one more tactic. He said, okay, then come for the music. He said, our church has amazing music. You will love the music. And, and you and your wife, I tell you what, why don't you come? Don't y'all love somebody that passionate? I mean, he's just not taking no for an answer in a very kind way. He is pleading for the soul of his boss. Finally, he, he just said, no, I'm not going to be your guest. I'm not going to listen to the music. I'm not going to come. I'm an atheist. Get out the door. And so Lee Strobel walked out, and he goes, God, I'm confused because I knew that the Holy Spirit of God was wanting me to witness to this guy. And Lee Strobel told us Monday night, to this day, that boss is still an atheist. few years later uh lee strobel was at his at his church by the way he went from atheism to now he's a pastor you know traveling and he speaks and i think he's here in houston now in the houston area he said years later i had somebody come up to me and they said oh pastor strobel i just want to meet you i just want to tell you we just think you're amazing we love you thank you for being our pastor he goes whoa 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 he said who are you he said oh you you don't know who i am do you He said, no, I don't. He said, well, let me tell you my story. Years ago, I was working in the newspaper industry, and uh, I was out of a job. was married, had a daughter, and and I needed a job, and so I could not find a job. And a friend of mine said, I know a friend. Contact this friend at this newspaper agency and see if he'll give you a job. He said, so I did that, and I contacted the guy. And the guy told me, no, we really don't have any openings in our newspaper uh, business here. But, well, wait a minute. We do have Uh, We we do have some some work if you're interested, and and I will hire you because many of our bathrooms in our office, the tile needs to be replaced. Have you ever replaced tile? And the guy said, yes, I have. And he said, well, you're hired. And so he said, I came on. I began to work, and I began to lay tile. and, And Pastor Strobel, you have no idea what I'm about to say to you, but that day that you were witnessing to your boss, I was on the other side of the wall, and I heard everything you said, and I listened as you pled with that man to give his life to Christ and to come to your church, and he shot you down." He goes, yeah, I know. He shot me down. He was not interested. He said, but I was, and I went home that night, and I told my wife, honey, I know we don't go to church, and I know we're not very religious, but I overheard a man today. He was so passionate about his God and about his church, and he just kept asking this guy, come, come, come to my church. He goes, honey, that guy, he he didn't go, but why don't we go? And he said, I want you to know something, Pastor Strouba, that my wife and me and our daughter, we all came to church, and we all gave our lives to Christ that day. There's a message. There's a message to proclaim. And all of us, we are those messengers. If we know Jesus and the resurrection, and then like Peter said, let's get one more in our company. Who have been with us, and then who will go and bear witness to the resurrection of Christ. Well, thank you for letting me take a little more of your time. But let me me share the last thing with you, and it is this decision that had to be made. I think I'm going to share something in a few moments. And as a pastor, you you just, you have these moments in your ministry. I am going to share something in a few minutes I think it's going to, it's going to bless someone. It's going to change their life. Really. It's someone here today who already knows the Lord, but they have a decision they need to make. And I'm going to tell you something that's going to forever change your life. And you can come up to me years later if you want to, and you can thank me. Or When heaven, we're in heaven together, you can come and thank me. But I say, don't thank me. Thank Peter and thank the early church because this is where I got it. Here is the decision that had to be made. Who will replace Judas? Well, the first man is Joseph called Barsabbas, probably named after the Sabbath, Justice Barsabbas And his last, his Roman name is Justice, Joseph Barsabbas Justice. Tradition says this man was a dedicated follower of Christ. Obviously, he made the final two, right? They said that he was witnessing for Christ, tradition says, and he was so passionate for the Lord that his enemies came and and said they forced him to drink snake venom. He drank it and he didn't die, which was a miracle. But the second man proposed to take the place of Judas was a man by the name of Matthias. Matthias, his name means gift of God. Matthias later became a missionary of all countries, the country of Ethiopia. As I speak, there are many Ethiopians at Great Hills Baptist Church here on our campus worshiping the Lord. The early church had a major decision to make. They had two candidates. Who would they choose? Well, the first thing they did, watch this, is they prayed, okay? They prayed and asked God. They said, Jesus, would you show us whom you've chosen? I found this very fascinating because Jesus was the one who chose the, church, the first 12. Now he's going to be the one who chooses the replacement of Judas Iscariot. And the way the early church is going to know it is that, first of all, they're going to pray. And they're going to ask God to reveal his will. Verse 25, they use this word ministry. We need this person to join us in the diakoneus, the deacon ministry. We're about to have a deacon's meeting here in a few minutes if I ever quit preaching. And then I'm, I'm more excited about this deacon's meeting than any other deacon's meeting I've been in nine and a half years, eight and a half years as the pastor of Great Hills. You say, what are you going to share at the deacon's meeting? We'll tell you later. Judas fell, the text says, and he went to his place. It's a euphemism for hell, by the way. Judas is in hell right now. He's very much alive, very cognizant of of what is going on. And he has eternity upon eternity to think about. If I had not been so stupid, if I had not been so greedy, I could have lived my life for Christ and I could be in heaven with his saints. Verse 26 speaks of the apostles casting lots. You say, Brother Danny, help me with that. What in the world is going on? They're casting lots. They're trying to decide who they're going to choose. Well, this was an Old Testament practice, and I'm going to show this to you in, in Proverbs 16 and Proverbs 18. Proverbs 16, says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Okay, so this was a practice that they used in the Old Testament time. Casting lots causes contentions to cease and keeps the mighty apart, Proverbs 18, 18. But watch this. This is the last time in the Bible you will ever read of casting lots. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit of God came. And when the Spirit of God comes and He inhabits the life of a believer, we don't need to cast lots anymore. We just need to pray and wait on Him. So here's the five things I'm going to share with you that I think is going to change somebody's life. It's going to help you marry the right person, You're welcome. Thank you. It's going to help you choose the right church. It's going to help you choose the correct vocation. It's going to set you up for success for the rest of your life. And I'm so honored of God. Is there a more honor to be in the ministry, to preach God's Word, to help people? I don't know. I don't know of any other thing. That is more honorable. Here's what you do. Here are the five things you need to do to find the will of God for your life. The first thing you do is you pray. and You ask the Lord to lead you. You pray to the God of heaven. God, show me what is her name. (laughs) What is my job? What is my occupation? What is my school? What is the church? What is it, God, that you have for me? Whatever your decision is, number one, you pray. Number two, you open up this book, okay? It's Holy Spirit, God breathed. Open it. Now, please don't open it. And land your finger on Judas, went out and hanged himself. Do not do that. Don't don't be arbitrary like that. Read the Bible, read it within its context, and say, Holy Spirit, I am you know, Peter, he knew the Bible. We must replace this person. So remember that. Read the word of God. Number three. I know you're not gonna like this one, but this is just part of it. You gotta wait. You have to wait. You have to wait in prayer, wait with patience, wait in the Scriptures, and just linger. a great song last week. Just linger in the presence of God. You know, God's not in a hurry. He's not on our timetable. He's on His timetable. And just wait, all right? Number, number four, listen to other Christians. Listen to men and women of God who walk with God. Be very, very sensitive when a man or woman of God comes up to you and says, And I think you'd be a great doctor. And I think you'd be a great teacher. Have you ever considered going into the ministry? Listen to me, church. Listen to me, students. When those things happen, and when you you respect a man or woman of God that's filled with the Holy Spirit, that's walking with God. Alex, was it your daughter that we prayed over? Was it your daughter that we prayed over? I believe God gave me a word for her and prayed over her that she would be a doctor that reaches many and helps many children, and she received that. And I I believe that's her destiny. I I really do. Listen to men and women of God. Let them speak life into you. You say, you're scaring me. This is sounding very charismatic. No, it's sounding very biblical. Listen to a man or a woman of God, and they come up to you and say, should I be going out with, with hunky Jim? He doesn't know Jesus, but I'm, I'm into missionary dating. And that man or woman of God says, forget hunky Jim, he's not for you. Dump him. Don't go out with him. Hunky Jim, what in the world? Hey, I don't know. Help me. Or, 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 or sweet Sally, you know, oh man, I mean, I know she doesn't love Jesus, but man, she is just beautiful and, and I can lead her to the Lord. I mean, I can just get her. No, the Bible says you don't date unbelievers. And if, and, if, and if you're talking to a Christian who knows the word and they love you, listen, listen to them. And the last one is this, and this is the one that gets me be open to circumstances. It's not a coincidence. Sometimes coincidence is when God does something and doesn't get the credit. Just be open. Just say, Woo, well, where did that come from? Now, you hear me, hear me now. Take it through the grid of scripture prayer and other believers, and you're waiting on the Lord, and then just boom, this happens. You say, Well, that, that was just God, that was out of nowhere. And God might be saying, It's not out of nowhere. I'm trying to get your attention. She's the one. Well, I didn't really think about her. Ask her out. By the way, you'll never get married unless you ask her out. (laughs) Talk, talk to her. Well, that church, is is Great Hills Baptist Church, is that really the church for me? And and God speaks to you, and he's encouraged you, come and see. If you do those five things, I really think that's going to to help you. And, oh, man, I'd hate, hate, hate. I know it's a strong word. I would hate anybody to listen to me preach. And your head get full, but your heart is empty. I pray today, oh God in heaven, if there's somebody here today, if you're listening on the Facebook Live or on internet, you know about God, you know about Jesus, but you've never surrendered your life and your heart to him, would you do that now? You say, what do I need to do to be saved? Here's what you need to do. You need to say, God... Forgive me, I give you everything. No, 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 listen to me. This is not just a a sweet little sinner's prayer and, and all is well and you go out and live like the daggum devil. I am sick and tired of people telling me I prayed the sinner's prayer, and now I can live like the devil. What in the world? is That's not New Testament Christianity. Where did you get that? That is an Americanized version and a distortion and a truncation of the Word of God, and God will hold me accountable if I preach that cheap gospel. just, Just pray this prayer. Oh, Jesus, come to my heart. Amen. Go live like the devil. No! Heavens, no! When the Spirit of God comes into you, there is a change, a change, a change in your heart, and God changes you, and you cannot, you cannot live like you very well, please. You can't, because the Spirit, the Spirit of God is called the Holy Spirit, not the unholy sleep with whoever you want to sleep with, Spirit or just light yourself up and do whatever you want to do. But I asked Jesus in my heart, I'm going to heaven, you're going to split hell wide open. But I prayed the prayer, so what? The devil believes and he trembles. The book of James 2, 16, 19, the demons believe and they tremble. Give your, man, give your heart to Christ. Not this false pseudo-conversion, but I mean the real deal, born-again, give your life to Jesus Christ today, today, and then you got the rest of your life to live for Him, to surrender to Him. Will you be perfect? No! Will you fall off the wagon? Yes! Get back up! And say, God, please forgive me, and pursue, pursue Christ and holiness. When, when is the last time you heard that? Holiness, walking with Jesus. Be saved today. Amen. If you know the Lord, then you, you can't do this on your own. You've got to be in fellowship. You've got to be in accountability. You've got to be in discipleship with other believers. That's what I'm going to talk to the deacons about. I'm so passionate about this. And I'm going to ask them to join me and allow me to disciple them. And Terry and Ross, we're going to ask the deacons, would you let us disciple you? I'm discipling 12 of our staff right now, and I'm having the best time of my life. I only have one darn regret. Why didn't I do this earlier? wish I'd done this earlier. Here's the deal. When we are discipling one another and we're holding each other accountable and and, and we're growing in Jesus, we don't fall away. Well, that church, you know, I don't, I don't really like that church anymore. I don't like that music, and I don't like the way he looks. He's too loud, and his hair, he needs to dye his hair. He's just so gray. You, know. you, you, don't, you don't talk like that. If you're deep in the Lord and you're grounded in your faith, here's what you talk about. Let me tell you about the person I got to lead to Christ this week. Let me tell you about the person I invited to Jesus. Let me tell you about the person who spit in my face because I was so passionate for Christ. Come now. Come on! I, I mean, to my dying day, God, how many days have you left me here? I want to pour into Great Hills Baptist Church so that we become this massive movement of disciples You make disciples until Jesus comes, and we're strong in our faith. We're not floating around with every wind, and we're not so shallow that we, well, i got to go look for somebody else, some other church. No! Deep in Jesus. If you're interested, some of you are looking at me, you're scaring me to death. I don't even know. This is my first time in this church. You're scaring me absolutely out of my mind. <laughs> Maybe that's what you needed. Maybe you just needed a shake. And you come. Be a part of I had a whole class full of people today, new members class full. And the next time we, we meet, we start up again, you come. Be a part. Watch, watch what God will do. I don't know about y'all, but I'm really tired. I'm just... Uh, you know, Gary, I, we work out six days a week for this triathlon, and I get one day off on Sunday, and that's not a day off. You know, somebody say, "Well, pastors only work one day a week, anyhow." So I right. say, "No, no, no, no." I, I just, I'm done, but I just got to ask: Is there anybody here it needs it to be saved? It needs it to be saved. Let's pray. Father, you know who they are, and I believe they're here. I believe there are many here, there's probably many watching. And I pray for them now, God, that you would convict their hearts and that they would say, Jesus, I want you. I want you to be the king of my life, and I surrender my life to you. Would you pray that with me today? Look, I'm serious. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Even on the television, there, just say, Dear God, forgive me. I surrender. I give you my everything. You are the Lord of my life. Would you do that? Do it now. And then once you do that, please tell somebody. Just go up to some believer and say, I gave my life to Christ. What do I need to do? And if that believer, If he's walking in the Spirit and and she knows, they will know what to say. They will say, you need to follow the Lord in baptism. You need to grow in your faith. We need to disciple you. Yes. But it starts with a simple prayer of faith. I mean, a genuine salvation prayer of God save my soul. Maybe you're here today and you say, well, I know the Lord and I know that I need to be a part of a church that's preaching the Bible and a church that's holding me accountable because... You know, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. I'm prone to leave the God that I love. And I don't want to do that. I want to walk in holiness and I want to walk with Jesus. Then come on. And I told the new members today, get involved in a small group, get involved in a connect group, get in accountability and fellowship with other believers. Lord, we love you. We are just surrendering our lives to you. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter, Lord, that preached the word. Thank you that he knew the Old Testament. Thank you for answering their prayers and replacing Judas Iscariot with Matthias. And I pray right now, God, whoever she is, they're in the valley of decision. Lord, may she pray, read your word, wait, listen to counsel of godly believers, and then look out Look out for that circumstance, that event. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Ooh, amen. will want you to stand up with me, please. God bless you. Stand. We're going to have our invitation. We're inviting you here today. If you've prayed to receive Christ, why don't you come? And say, yes, that was me. I accepted the Lord as my Savior. No more pseudo-fake Christianity. I've given it all to Christ. Help me in my walk with God. We'll be here today. We'll we'll talk with you. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. Maybe you say, I want to join this church. I want to be a part of this movement of God in this church. You come. Come on. Let Let us help you. I'm going to pray. We invite you to come. God bless you as you come. Terry, you sing.